Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Um, I love that everybody is subscribing, so please keep it going. If you're listening to this and you like my content at all and you've made it to this episode, which is, I think, the 70th episode, then now is the time to press subscribe. On uh, Click the link that is in the description of the episode, and then you have access to all my bonus episodes. Um So what I want to talk about today is something controversial, which everything I say is controversial to somebody. Um, But this one, it's so interesting because people that are really open-minded in other areas, they're reading all my stuff about sex. This one I say, and they're like, oh no, the buck stops here. And this is a topic of why to talk about exes. Now, I think it's very important that people understand one another fully, and unless you are a virgin that was raised in a cave prior to dating your uh, spouse, you likely had some form of uh, previous relationships, romantic and or sexual. And I believe that it's very important for couples to understand one another um, on a deep level. And what could be deeper, after, of course, the family of origin, then understanding somebody's prior experiences in the arena that you are actually in with them, the relationship. So frequently I'll work with couples and they don't know how many people each other slept with. They don't know uh, sexual things that they did before. They don't know what worked and what didn't romantically. They don't know how communication went. And it's because they say they don't want to know. This is so foolish. I mean, you're spending your money, your hard-earned money, and I am not cheap, in my session, and you don't even know the basic history about one another. Now, I mean, I don't say that usually. I mean, sometimes I do. If the people have a sense of, you know, humor, um, then I will express more of my surprise. And I'll say, why not? You know, I mean, this is such important data. Could you imagine for my parent listeners, let's say you have a child and you're getting them a new nanny, right? Or babysitter. And the the woman comes in and she says, "Um, so tell me about your son. Your son's like 18 months old. You say, well, you know, he's a very sweet little boy. And, you know, the previous nanny put him to sleep at two. And she interrupts and she says, I didn't come here to be disrespected. Don't tell me about what he did with anybody else. We're having a new relationship right now. I don't know why that bullshit is even on the table of discussion. What do I care when that bitch put your son down to take a nap? I am my own person and he's going to respond differently to me. You will get that lunatic out of your house right away, right? And why? Because in addition to not knowing not to curse during the job interview for a nanny position of an 18-month-old, um, a, you know, a, a mistake that I might make myself, so I have empathy for that, uh, she's a fool, right? Because the best way to learn about what your son wants is to see what already worked with him and what didn't. So had she not interrupted you, she could have gotten a lot of data. Your son likes to go to, to take his nap at 2 p.m., but, you know, when she would try to take him outside 
when it was too cold, he didn't like it, and she did make him mac and cheese, which he liked, but quite honestly, you would really have some more fruits and vegetables, and so maybe she could focus on that, and maybe she could, uh, you know, sing some more songs with him because the other one was a mute, or whatever the case may be. But only by these sorts of comparisons and contrasts can you really figure out what works the best for your toddler in this situation. Now, how is it really any different? I've belabored the point that a healthy marriage has many elements of reparenting, which means that both people are being reparented, parented, cared for in a new way that they never got, which echoes some of the old way that they were already parented in their family of origin, but hopefully it, it fills in the gaps. So we'll have these um, conversations in couples counseling. We're allowed to talk about every single thing that happened until the person's like 18 years old. And then all of a sudden, we can only talk about the parts that have nothing to do with sex or romance. And then we skip to when they met when they were 27. What happened? Where's the lost eight years? Nine years. (laughs) Psychology is a soft science. Uh, Nine years there. Why is that not something that we could talk about? What is an 18-year-old's main uh, pursuit, hooking up with the opposite sex or hoping to or hoping to attract somebody one day or um, being excited about the relationship they're in or having fights with the relationship they're in or figuring sex out or not figuring sex out or whatever. Why is all this data not allowed to be discussed when it is so relevant? And in case you think, okay, that sounds good theoretically, but when it happens in real time, I bet what happens is that um, the man says, well, before you, I had wonderful sex with everybody. My ex used to give me um, upside down blowjobs swinging from a trapeze. Also, she was a size zero. She had huge boobs. And you know what? Honestly, now that I'm talking about it, I'm leaving. And because I found her on Facebook during this conversation. That doesn't happen right? That does not happen. What usually happens is that the woman says something like, yeah, I didn't really ever like to give blowjobs. No, not even to the guy I was with when I was 18. And the man is like, holy shit. Wow. It's not just me. And she's like, no, it really never was. And you know, when I would do it, I really didn't like it either. So, and he's like, wow, This changes everything. Here I was thinking that you were like, you know, this wonderfully adventurous sexual entity before me. And now I see that you were boring all along. I feel a lot better, quite honestly. And we can begin to explore some of these new things ourselves, right? Or the man says, no, that uh, girlfriend that my mother always says I should have married when we're together at Thanksgiving. In reality, yeah, it was nice, but she really didn't challenge me. We did have sex, but she never really did much to write home about. Except, you know what was nice? She really looked up to me. And sometimes I kind of miss that. She was not as smart as me and she looked up to me. And you I like because you're smart, but I did really like that part of that relationship. I mean, if you can't handle hearing that after X amount of years of marriage, that your partner might prefer something that an ex did, including being nice to them, that, I mean, we, you really probably need to focus on shoring up your own self-worth and confidence in individual sessions, because not much you're going to get done in couples counseling if one or both partners are too fragile to hear that a person ever had a smile on their face with an ex and for what reason. So the reason to to um, expand on this, a reason to understand your ex, your 
spouse's relationship with exes is so that you can build a working model of what works and doesn't work and what is you and what is not you. You know, because people have these distorted images and if they have low self-esteem, they think that every other relationship that the person had before them was better, which makes no sense because then why would they be married now, right? But, um, and that everything that every ex did was better. They were all hotter. They were all smarter. They were all whatever. Man thinks they all had huge penises. It, hearing about the realities and most compellingly the overlap between any problems that you have currently in the marriage and with other partners. Not only can this help your uh, spouse understand you, but by um, discovering and verbalizing these patterns aloud, you yourself can understand yourself a lot better. You can start to be like, wow, I kind of never felt like anybody gave me enough attention. It started when I was 14. I was dating my high school boyfriend. We had fights over it. And I went all the way to my ex-husband. And now I'm seeing in my second marriage it's happening with you, right? And that is very interesting. And it's something that if you're never allowed to even think about exes because your partner never wants to hear about them and you know it's this uh, you know, dead zone then you're not even going to think deeply about things that are co- that that make so much sense out of your own story and can help you to be a better partner or sometimes I'll say to men so did every woman have trouble with you being expressive they're like well i mean what do you mean i'll say did they say why don't you talk did they say why aren't we engaging Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, sure, that happened all the time. That really happened with every woman. This could be very eye-opening for the partner that thinks it must just be them because, stupidly, you know, not realizing in the moment that they themselves don't talk about exes because that isn't the culture of the relationship, but they would say, well, shit, you know, if he was having all these problems with his previous partners too, wouldn't he have mentioned it at some point when I have the same exact problem? Certainly not. If the culture of the relationship is such that it is a definite no-no to ever mention an ex. So then the guy doesn't even really think about it and you don't think about it. And, and nobody thinks about it. And then it's this um, crazy, you know, the three monkeys with the hands over the eyes, ears, and mouth. This is not what you want your relationship to be. And that does not help you grow as a couple. Now, what if it is a situation where it turns out that the thing that your spouse always wanted they had with an ex? Well, does it make it better that you didn't know? <laughs> I mean, certainly no. So let's say that, you know, the ex was a, you know, Dallas Cowboys cheerleader that was giving upside down blowjobs. Let's say she was. Well, he knew already. (laughs) He remembered it already. Guess what? And now that you know, that can really make you think about some things differently. Maybe it's shit. I I guess I got to up my game in the sack. Maybe it is I have been realizing as I've been closer to midlife that I may be asexual and realizing that this is what this man wants is really uh, is the final factor in making me say, I do not think that we are ultimately compatible. I mean, we don't really know. What we do know is that in relationships, as in science, people should not shy away from data. Data is always good. It is always helpful. Nobody shows up to parent-teacher conference and their kid and they say to the teacher, listen, please don't tell me anything. 
I don't want to know. I'm just going to say, is he a good boy? And you're going to say yes. And then we're going to smile and I'm going to walk out because I can't handle knowing anything bad. No, certainly not the parents of today, right? Parents of today are like, here's my Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to ask about all of these developmental milestones. You're going to answer me right now. I don't care who's waiting. So we want to know and to deeply understand our partners if we want to have a close relationship. Now, what's so ironic is um, post-infidelity, I'm going to be actually doing some continuing education. I'm going to be presenting continuing education on infidelity, recovery from infidelity. So if you're a therapist, you may want to take that. I will link to it on my social media when it happens. But um, when you are recovering from infidelity, Esther Perel wrote this book, State of Affairs, and she talks about it can't be the same old marriage. It's got to be marriage 2.0. And you got to understand, and this is not just Esther Perel, everybody who writes about infidelity or works with infidelity knows you got to really understand and deconstruct why the affair happened. And then you can really understand each other in a whole new dimension. And if you stay together, your marriage will be stronger. You will know each other on a deep, more authentic level than previously. Well, why? One huge reason is because, guess what? We're talking about exes. We're talking about the affair partner and the affair. And the same person that says, no, nah, I don't want to know anything about your, um, your boyfriend that you dated for eight years before you met me. As soon as that woman goes, has like a one night stand, that guy is going to want to watch the videotape of it. He's going to want every detail of it. Why? Because it's such imp- it feels to him in that moment like such important data that could that could help him understand why the woman cheated. He's going to want to know every single little part of that interaction, right? But think about it. For people that do not have infidelity, there is all that data on what your partner really likes and doesn't like and what and and what their patterns are. It's just in their relationship history that for some superstitious reason you feel like knowing about it will poison the well of your relationship. In fact, in practice, I see exactly the opposite. The more that you discuss these things, the more that they are no longer a sacred cow that cannot be discussed, the more people really understand and empathize with one another on a deep level. And even it bolsters up their their friendship and their, uh, their kind of remembering that they are separate people with separate histories and interesting things about the, each other that they, you know, have never shared. It's very rare to get novelty in a long-term marriage. And people um, should really grasp, you know, greedily at any little bit of novelty that they could potentially get um, in terms of new intel about the same old spouse. In fact, hearing about exes and the people who are in the no, 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 I could never listen to this camp don't think this is true. But hearing about things sexually that a partner did with exes can frequently be erotic because you're thinking about them as a stranger. And as I've said so many times within monogamy, women's sex drive dies on the vine and uh, the idea of a new person is very erotic. In fact, um, infidelity uh, research that I was reviewing prior to, um, you know, my presentation that I told you about that's going to come up at some point, um, 
the so sex research shows that women say that they're not aroused by the thought of being with a stranger. But in these uh, studies, they hook women up to electrodes, including in their vagina. <laughs> so that's a visual for you. And they measure the lubrication and the orgasmic contractions and whatever when they say different things or when the woman views different things to see if she's lying. <laughs> no, it's not just to see if she's lying. It's to see what turns on women. This is a whole field of research. And if you went into accounting instead of that, I guess you feel pretty stupid if you're a man listening to this so basically women say they'll ask oh uh does this turn you on and then they'll say different things and then it's sex with a stranger and the woman will say no but her vagina says yes because they're recording the you know arousal level of the woman to this idea and she's turned on, obviously, because as I say over and over, for the genetic diversity of the species, when women ovulate, ideally, they would sleep with a new guy every time. But our culture and monogamous society does not allow that, nor do most women objectively want that. Um, so if you think about your partner, if you think about your same old husband as this guy who is doing this kinky shit with an ex-girlfriend, it can um, make two things happen. A, it'll activate a mate-guarding impulse, you know, such that you're like, wow, somebody used to do that with him? Well, I guess he is not looking that fat and bald after all. I guess maybe he could maybe potentially do that again with somebody if I don't watch out. And B, he just seems different to you. You're like, wow, never knew that. Didn't know he had it in him. So that could also make you feel good. And on the male end, so many men have a hot wife fantasy, irrespective of whether they want to execute on that, that uh, it is, that's a very, very common male fantasy is the idea of your wife with another man. And this is kind of like doing it without doing it, hearing about things that happen. And on the other side, where it doesn't get so erotic, where actually what somebody is sharing is things kind of sucked before you and I was always insecure about it and, you know, I never really liked this or that, that is such important information that can make sense of, like, everything that's going wrong in your sex life and make it that it's not about you but about longstanding issues that this person already had, which will then obviously increase your empathy and your feelings of warmth and tenderness toward them because then their sex issues aren't your fault. It's like proven in this single case design experiment. All right, so hopefully I gave you food for thought. And if you listen to this podcast with your partner, maybe it'll spark some interesting discussions in a realm that you didn't ever have before. Because all information is good information when you're trying to have a deep and genuine connection with your partner. This is the most deep level of authenticity is is opening yourself up vulnerably in warts and all, you know, to a partner. And um, if people want, like for just as a last point, if people say, so let's say a man says, oh God, my wife never tells me about any sexual fantasy. She's so boring. And then that same man has never inquired, nor does he feel comfortable hearing about any sex she ever had before him. Well, shit, how is she going to feel comfortable opening herself up to you in the realm of sexual fantasies when you can't even hear that she for sure has ever seen another penis. Like that does not really assuage her uh, insecurity about you potentially being very close-minded, judgmental, or turned off. So take that and think about it. And thanks for listening, everybody. And please, again, subscribe, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.